Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 101. Uh, It was a joyous week of celebration uh, with the 100 episode. To be honest, the celebrations haven't stopped, they continue. Martin Blake has probably done it harder than just about anybody else. Um, So others have gone particularly hard, henceforth we are down to just a two ball today. Uh, Blakey, good to see you. Well, two's plenty today, Andy, but no cameras. No cameras. No, no, well, no. How this... did you find it? I mean, you're used to it. And Hazy's probably in that category as well nowadays. Well, he continued the partying. We'll get down He'll to... have a manager soon, Hazy. We'll get down to him in a moment. He's down in the Interstate Series in Hobart. And he took some of the frivolity and celebration of our 100th episode down there uh, in the lead-up to that championship saw tournament starting down there. And he's made a bit of a goose of himself, to be honest, with some of his antics on the golf course. What's we'll going on with the sort of... Is a bit of Elvis Presley? What the hell's going on? Um, Big show. Gavin Kirkman's going to join us to tell us about the pitching campaign. We're going to catch up with a bloke by the name of Reg Ballard. Now, Reggie's 100 and still plays regularly at the Rosanna Golf Club. Um, One of our great members of this team, Greg Oakford, was telling us that he spoke to Reg Ballard three years ago. So my mathematics is shabby, but that would suggest he was 97 at the time. And he was still walking when he was playing golf at 97 years of age. That's pretty remarkable. Well, we can ask him later, but I believe not so long ago he was playing up to 200 rounds of golf a year. So these are the stories we love on this podcast, Andy. 200 rounds a year? Grassroots. How many games? How many rounds of golf do you play a year, do you reckon? I'm going to say uh, 60. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Gee whiz, yeah. that's Got me covered by about 50. Oh, has it? Oh, yeah, no good at the moment. Um, So where do you want to start? Let's start with the Lees. Why don't we start with Minwoo and Minji? Uh, Well, as you spoke about last week, Minji Lee is, you know, she's within a breath of being number one female player in the world. So it it is a big deal for an Australian. Like no female Australian has ever been officially world number one. Mm. Kari Webb, of course, was the best player in the world at a time when there were no rankings. So we, we put that in for perspective. But since the rankings started, we haven't had anyone. And I woke up on Monday morning, turned the television on Fox, and I thought, this is going to be the day. Because she started off in the Medihill Championship in uh, San Francisco, seven shots back from Se Young Kim from South Korea. So it was going to take something good for sure. But Se Young Kim went double bogey bogey to <laughs> start the, the day. Door, so yeah. it just it just opened the door. She actually had a really rough day, Se Young Young Kim. And uh, Minji was in with a chance. Halfway through the round, she was just two shots back. Uh, she couldn't quite keep the momentum going. It's, a, it's quite a tough course. It was more like a major setup. I think she needed birdie birdie at the last two to get into a playoff uh, with Bronte Law and uh, and Sayung Kim, who eventually shot seven under as well, uh, didn't quite make it. So she ended up finishing tied eighth. 
Uh, had she won, I believe she would have gone to number one in the world. And I'm not sure if she's playing this week, but she'll certainly be playing next week mm. at the US Women, Women's Open. Uh, so it, it it's it's li- likely to happen pretty soon, you know, if she, she keeps playing the way she is. She certainly, uh, you know, she had an opening 76, Andy, which She bulldogged she her way chasing. through. Yeah, absolutely. I love that about her. Oh, that's, uh, mm. she, uh, the fact that she dug in after a wobbly start and just worked her way through the field she did after that opening round, she showed some real bulldog uh, this week. She's clearly... In good nick. I mean, you're not going to shoot 68 all the time. You're going to chuck in a 74, 75, 76 every now and again. Um, she did that. But the fact that she dug in and just clawed her way through the field to put herself in contention on the Sunday was, that says as much about her, I reckon, um, as it does with the kind of routine low rounds that she's kind of compiling, compiling at the moment. The fact that she just refused to concede, oh, it's not my week this week. Yeah, I'll I'll just let it slide and I'll focus on you know the week after. She didn't she didn't do that. I thought it was a remarkable effort. I asked her. I spoke to her earlier in the year when she was in Korea, and I asked her what she needed to do to get better, and she said hit it longer. Mm. And Richie Smith, her coach, longtime coach, said the same thing to me around the same time. So, watch just watching the coverage, she was smoking it mm. out there. So mm. she's never been a short hitter. She hits it a fair way. But she's not as long as Sung Hyun Park, who's uh, you know one of the best players in the world. Some of the other longer hitters, and that's where they've been focusing on trying to get her to hit it a bit further. The brother hits it all right, um, and he yeah, just another one of those. You, you if you've got if you earmark young players um, for you know higher office, you know you're expecting and you're hopeful that they're going to be you know serious world class players. You and you watch them through their early stages on you know main tours. Um, through the professional ranks, there was something there was something to really like about Minwood, and there has been, I reckon, since he started mixing it with, you know, elite level professional players. He doesn't back off, and he doesn't seem to be at all phased by mixing it, um, you know, in this sort of company. We know that he's had a bit to do with Tiger in the early days, so he's sort of had exposure to the greatest of his generation, arguably the greatest of all time. So he doesn't mind rubbing shoulders with the game's elite. But I think he enjoys the challenge. And there was a bit to take out of his performance in China. Absolutely, Andy. And uh, look, he's he's so close to securing his European card. Just mm. just on sponsors' invites, he's, he's only played half a dozen events, but he's 51st in the race to Dubai points. He needs to be in the top 110 at the end of the year. So it's a, it's a bit... Uh, hard to hard to call because he's he he needs to get sponsors invites. He's not a member of the tour, obviously. So, what he's looking to do is play himself onto that tour. Mm. He's he's won two hundred and forty seven grand. That's um, fantastic, you know. That's in euro. Yeah, so yeah. you know, it's it's awesome to watch. And I think Scott Hen summed this up a few weeks ago, didn't he? Where he said, "I'd like shares in Minwoo Min Lee. Lee." And yeah, I reckon a yeah. few years ago, Andy Minwoo Lee would have been playing for WA at the. Interstate Series, which is on this week in Tassie. What a lovely natural that a segue. segue. Oh, that, that is not a segue. That's a all-world segue from you. <laughs> Keep going. You got the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, it's the Interstate Series, the Golf Australia Interstate Series in Tassie this week. This is the biggest teams event that uh, we have for the entire year. And, of course, who should end up being down there yeah, but course. one M. Hayes. Mark Hayes, welcome to the program. Well, I might not get a spot back on after Segway like that. That was extraordinary work from you, Blakey. <laughs> uh, we need to take you to task straight away, mate. It's um, 
It's Mari here. It's about the young golfers down there. And you're supposed to just be in one of your roles, and you are multifaceted and multi-talented, I concede that. But one of your roles down there, and your primary role down there, is to not have a bit of me time and bring us the information we need to know, A, about the competition, and B, the individuals competing. What the hell were you doing with that dance move? You need to explain yourself before we can take you seriously today. <laughs> well, the hot topic of pardon the pun of conversation down here has been the weather. Uh, all bar regional Victorians and the Tasmanians are finding it a little bit uh, chilly. Uh, so I just happened to have a bit of a warm-up dance with Cassie Porter just to sort of get the blood flowing for these Queenslanders. So yeah, I apologise, Andy. That was probably a little bit too much to, to see on Twitter early in the morning, but uh, there, you, there you go. Well, if people haven't seen it, you don't know what we're talking about. I, I believe it was captured by Virginia Irwin, who uh, I'm led to believe she was the one whose phone captured the magic. Is that right? <laughs> I wouldn't describe it as magic, but yes, we are Virginia going to Irwin, Virginia Irwin will be the subject of legal legal uh, uh, matters on this on this on this topic. Well, if people haven't seen it, we will we will plaster our social media platforms and, with and, your performance. And so. great Christmas party fodder there, Hazy. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> oh, you are in big trouble there. So, hey, Hazy, tell what for those who um, are listening to us talk about the Interstate Series. Tell us what it is for those who don't know. Yeah, well, and, and Blakey made a great point about Min Woo Lee. Um, he was here last year, as a matter of fact. He played he played for WA just last year, and this is the absolute. Uh, cradle of, of what's ahead in Australian golf. Um, some players for example Dave Michaluzzi and Becky Kay aren't here this week uh, with other commitments in tournaments that they've um, earned spots into in the professional ranks so they're still amateurs but barring those guys this is the cream of the crop um, and we're really, that. for example Andy there's a couple of scouts here from um, American colleges and they come down to check out the uh, all the players from around Australia who converge in one spot almost like a uh, draft combine sort of thing, uh, but the, the format of the tournament is team match play. So in the women's side, there's five matches. On the men's side, there's seven. Uh, if you if you win the majority of matches, you win the contest for your state. Uh, and the and the, team, the two teams with the most contest wins at the end of the week go into the final. Uh, the men's on Friday, women's on Thursday, and we'll crown a national champion. And Look, it's one of my favourite weeks for the year. You know, I love match play. Mm. And uh, the, the rivalry between the states is it's friendly, but it's awesome, and it's definitely there. So, Hazy, the Vic men are going for three in a row, uh, but they don't have Michaluzzi, who was their number one last year, I believe. So, you know, is that going to be difficult for them, or you know, what do you think about that? Uh, well, Mick has taken up a start in Japan, so he's uh, practising for that or about to play, and it might even be this week. Um, so he's not here, but I think the one of the strengths Oh, the strengths of the Victorian teams have, in recent past, Blakey, has been at depth. And I don't think they, obviously, you, you miss out when you take one of the world top five amateurs out of your team. But they don't tumble down looking for a seventh or an eighth player. Um, eight players come down for Victoria and for every state. Uh, seven play during the prelims and eight in the final. They don't go wanting when they lose a player. They've still got someone uh, sort of uh, almost like Alistair Clarkson style. One soldier down, one soldier in. So... Um, I think they're a chance. The, the favourites on both ta- sides of the tournament are the New South Wales teams, absolutely loaded with talent. Although I know we're recording this on Tuesday and things will probably be different when people listen, but the Victorian women have started with a big shock this morning by uh, dismissing the New South Wales women team, women's team early, 3-2 this morning. So this is a format where 
anything can happen uh, and regularly does. Hazy, how far away uh, from kind of pro-level golf, um, you know, by and large, particularly the better players that are down there in Hobart in Tassie this weekend, how far away from pro-level golf are they playing? Uh, there's no doubt, Andy, that the the lower members of the team, they play in an order. Um, so the best players generally tend to play at the top of the order and, and, and so on down the order. The ones at the bottom of the order, in hindsight, will say that this is probably the highlight of their career yep, reaching yep. this stage. Uh, but the top, particularly in the men's, but also in the women's, the top two and three, uh, I would say only thing between them and a pro career is you know mentally being able to take that next step. The golf they play is exemplary. Uh, we've seen Min Woo Lee, we've seen Becky Kay, we've seen Karis Davidson, we've seen um, Minji, all these you know young starlets and stars just rising through the ranks here and, and this is where they cut their teeth. Um, they aren't far away. The, the, for example, Alex Hilliard, who's not a uh, Hilliard, who's not a household name yet, but playing for Victoria, just finished her second her afternoon match this morning at Royal Hobart, through 12 holes, Andy, when she beat D. Russell uh, 7 and 6, would you believe? She was 5 under the card she without a bogey. Yeah, so right. when, you think, when you think about there's just a course that once hosted the Australian Men's Open Championship, that's, that gives you an example uh, of the quality of golf that I'm watching at the moment. Um, I noticed, just before we let you go, I noticed some snow falling on um, Cradle Mountain <laughs> down there the other day. What, is the, uh, what, what are the temperate <laughs> conditions like down there? I'm loving it, Andy. I would, uh, I'm, I'd pop the shorts on and t-shirt if I wouldn't get ridiculed on Twitter by all and sundry. But there, there is an element of uh, brr about it. I definitely right. say that it's, it's, um, it's probably uh, very, very confronting for the young West Australians and young Queenslanders who've never ever seen a temperature like this. And when the wind gets up from the south with no barrier from the Antarctic. They're definitely feeling the pink and, and grabbing every article of clothing. There was a girl yesterday, I won't name her, had seven layers on from Queensland. <laughs> Tasmania Golf Club, Hazy, uh, correct me if my memory's wrong here, but has it got the uh, water carry, you know, you kind of hit it over a, a water carry? That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's Amazing. The, famous, uh, the famous shot of Tasmanian Golf before Barnboogle and Lost Farm. That was the signature sort of hole in Tasmanian Golf, and that's at Tasmania Golf Club. and. Royal Hobart's obviously um, a little less striking visually, but uh, it's in absolutely amazing condition. And there's two two premier courses in the southern half of the state. Uh, yeah, and Tasmania's got some incredible views uh, out over the water there. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to take, Blake, I can assure you. Magnificent part of the world, Hazy. I'm not sure how you always end up getting the plum gigs, uh, but you do. <laughs> it's probably because you work so hard and you're inside, so you manage to kind of just shape it your way. Keep up the good work. <laughs> A little less dancing, a little more reporting. Uh, it's about them. It's not about you. Uh, my friend, always lovely to hear your voice, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for steering the ship, boys. Thank you. Good on you. Mark Hayes is down there at the Interstate Series, um, and it sounds like there's some pretty good golf being played down there. Um, well, Hayes will be back in the studio next week. We do need to get a rig on because Gavin Kirkman's going to join us pretty soon, but did we want to talk about Tiger and the presidential honour that he received uh, in the at the top, I think we should put this at the top of the show. It's a, a pretty significant, pretty controversial, I reckon, in a lot of respects. But he becomes, I think, the fourth golfer to presidential, receive presidential medal of freedom, the presidential which, medal which, of freedom, which is the equal highest civilian honour that an American get. Yeah, it was introduced by John F. Kennedy, 
in the 60s. And What do you uh, have to do to get it? You'll have the, well, you'll have the criteria I, I, there. I don't have the criteria, but it, it, it's largely about what you do away from sport, I think, in a lot of cases. So, mm-hmm. for instance, Charlie Sifford, who was the previous golfer to get, in, get this award, uh, he's a, he was the first black player who played on the PGA Tour. They used yep. to have an all-white all yep. Caucasian policy, believe it or not, in this day and age. Yep. They, until, this, I think it was the early 60s, they had that policy. They, they uh, allowed him to play and he, he played. And Charlie Woods, Tiger's son, is named after Charlie Sigurd. Okay, right. So yeah. that was quite a nice irony. But we might have a listen to Tiger, sure. Andy, because he was quite emotional when he was receiving the award from uh, President Trump today. You've seen the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, and I would not be in this position without all of your help. Um, in 97, yes, I, I won the Masters, and <clears throat> I was there to I end up hugging my dad and my mom. My dad's no longer here, but my mom's here. I love you, Mom. Thank you. And <clears throat> Sam and Charlie for all your love and support. Um, I love you guys so much. Erica, thank you. I mean, everyone has meant, you guys have meant so much to me in my life, and um, I've, I've battled, I've, I've tried to, I've tried to hang in there, and I've tried to come back and, and um, play, play the great game of golf again. I've been lucky enough to have had the opportunity to do it again, and I uh, found a game that has allowed me to do this. And, the, the amazing Masters experience that I just had a few weeks ago um, certainly is probably the highlight of what I've, what I've accomplished so far in my life um, on the golf course. It, it's a very different sounding tiger, isn't it now? Like, yeah. you, you know, you can say what you like about and you can I'm sure a lot of people have formed opinions about him and some are so entrenched that, you know, they will hold a view about Tiger Woods for the rest of their lives. But if you've got the capacity to move through the years where he challenged your affection for him, if that's one way that mm. you want to put it, he definitely sounds like a far more genuine human being now than he did when it was just this crazy, crazy bubble that, that he lived in. He's a far rounder human being now, I reckon, having been through what he's been through. He's grown up a bit and, and uh, look, he, he, uh, he is quite tight with – Donald Trump. Yeah, there's a few of them uh, that are. We might talk about Greg Norman a bit later too. But uh, look, I don't mind it. It's basically Trump's call. It's a presidential mm. uh, award, so he can do what he likes, really. And, of, and look, whatever you think of his morals or ethics or whatever he's done in his life, he's made a few mistakes. We all know that. Uh, that comeback at the Masters, which is what mm. he's really got the award for, well, that, that was sensational. Mm. So. Uh, in a golfing sense, you know, and in a personal sense, to come back from as far down the tube as he he went, so I think I think it's okay. Yeah, he he. Um, we'll get a break out of the way here on Inside the Ropes. Uh, a, a lot to get through. Obviously, all the performances from around the world. We'll get to that a bit later on the show. A hundred year old member of the Rosanna Golf Club, Reg Ballard's going to join us as well. But on the other side of the break, we're going to speak to the PGA of Australia CEO Gavin Kirkman about this pitching campaign that he's keen for us to know a bit more about. 
The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Um, Pitch-in campaign's a really interesting one. We know Gavin Kirkman is the CEO of the PGA of Australia, but he's also involved with the AGIC, which is keen for us to know a bit more about what this pitching campaign is all about. And Gavin Kirkman is over in Perth as we speak to him, and he's been good enough to join us on the show. Gav, thanks for your time. Thanks, Andy. What is the For those who don't know, what is the AGIC? Yeah, the AGIC is the Australian Golf Industry Council. It's where all the um, peak bodies in golf um, for years have come together to look at uh, key issues and challenges for, for our sport um, nationally. So it's made up of Golf Australia, the uh, ALPG, Golf Management Australia. You've got the Australian Golf Superintendents Association, Sporting Goods Australia, Architects, and the uh, PGA of Australia. So it's it's the key industry bodies getting together to um, to unify and make statements to help uh, to help our game grow across all areas. And where does the pitch in campaign tell us a bit about it? But where does it where does it sit, and and what are its aspirations? Yeah, so so each year we we try and work you know as a collective group we try and work on key projects and and um, the the pitch in. Um, campaign is an advocacy program that's highlighting community golf facility improvement projects and uh, to more or less you know where other sports Andy are getting good funding to to um, update their facilities whether they're sporting fields whether they're locker rooms at, at football clubs tennis courts cricket clubs golf seems to to miss out you know there's a you know there's a perception that we're um, asset rich mm. but you know unfortunately we're cash poor um they they feel sometimes we're an elitist sport but at the end of the day i know and, and i'm proud that you know our game is a game that reaches everyone it's a, it's a blue collar sport as well as a prestigious sport at private clubs so we're we're pitching in as a as an industry to say well we need some some funding to update some of our facilities around the country and um, we're challenging the mps at the moment through this election process to see if they will commit um, so that we can get some shovel-ready projects on the go. I'm glad you mentioned the MPs, uh, Gavin, because you've been out and about in the media the last couple of weeks, uh, and there's no coincidence in that, is there? There is an election on, and it's for the first time, I think, that golf's really tried to put a little bit of pressure on, on the pollies around an election time to say, hey, we're here, we need some help. Yeah, it is. And, and I think, again, we've sat back um, as a sport and you know, we're getting good advice through um, a gentleman from, by the name of Tom Cameron um, from the Civic Group, Cameron Wade from Golf Australia um, and, and Fiona Telford who are saying, you know, as a sport, we've got to get in front of the MPs. We've got to get our message out. And, and a good example that uh, you know, up in Queensland at the moment, we've got some um, 
in North Queensland, we've got Townsville Golf Club, Rose Bay Golf Club, Proserbine Golf Club and Taroom. Um, they've all been you know, hit and suffered from flood damage early in the year. But we've also got federal seats of Herbert, Dawson and Flynn, and they're all marginal seats. So, you know, the communities up in those uh, areas in North Queensland, the hub of their community are golf clubs. There's a lot of golfers up there. So we're, we're saying to the MPs, we need some funding to get these facilities back um, operating to their full potential, back being a place where the community feels safe. And, and golf clubs, uh, it's not just about golf. It's not a golf interest. It can be a public interest because the facilities are now used not only for golf, they're for, for functions, for weddings, for, for food and beverage experiences, and they're just a great place to go and meet up. Gavin, I don't want to be a, a fear monger, but I've been reading some articles recently. There was one in the Golf Digest which referred to the war on golf. That was the headline. And I also read one when I was in Sydney recently, I think in the Sun-Herald, uh, which had the headline, Why Aren't They Public Parks? So uh, what it was referring to is the use of uh, public land for golf courses, which are really only for single use. So uh, it seems to me that the game is going to come under a lot of pressure and it's already happening uh, to protect the facilities that we already have. And this is an, an issue that probably is going to come under the under the, the radar of, of the AGIC, isn't it? I, I just talk about Paradise Palms on the golf club, uh, golf co- Gold Coast, which closed recently. Elstonwick Park in Victoria closed. Kingston Links in Victoria closed. Gordon Golf Club in Sydney is under threat, apparently. Cogger in Sydney is under threat. There's a lot of instances uh, just recently of, of public facilities where the councils are, are, and, and the residents are wanting to claim back the land, either sell it for, for housing because of the increased population demand in Australia or the public space demand. So th- this is something that's going to come onto your radar even more, isn't it? It is. And, you know, through parks and leisure, we've got to, got to combat that and, and change the modelling, you know, with these... Um, these public access courses and, and council-owned courses. You know, Cameron Wade's been up discussing what are the multi-purpose uses for golf facilities, you know, where it could be golf in the morning and it could be, you know, the design of golf and the, and the clearance of, of trees. It could be a, a football oval in the, in the afternoon. I think we've got to be, be progressive. We've got to be open-minded to say that, you know, it could be a walking track through a course that's got something a little bit different that you see see around these parks but then you know you can then um, multi-purpose the facility and have nine holes there with some greens and and whether they're all par three so I think we've got to make sure that you know as these decisions are being made by councils um, green space is very important um, and you want to keep the green space alive which which I feel we do as an industry but again we've got to come up with solutions so that we don't lose a golf facility um, that we take a golf facility and turn it into a multi-purpose you know, sporting venue. So um, there's, there's been discussion in the, in the facilities that, uh, you know, up at Paradise Palms, that's up in far north Queensland in Port Douglas, you know, that, that was one of our best courses in the country and it's a shame that that's going to end up in um, housing and, and residential estates. So we've, we've got to be proactive and, and be keeping a close eye on on what you're reading at the moment. Gavin, what sort of role, you know, you, the other hat you wear, of course, is CEO of the PGA of Australia. We've been lamenting the fact in the last couple of weeks on the show that, you know, Minji Lee, as she continues her ascent, 
you know, through the uh, world rankings in the women's game, doesn't seem to get any not not the, not the kind of requisite cut through or deserved cut through that she should get in the kind of broader media here in Australia. I, I imagine that you know the sort of the pressures that we're talking about now in these public spaces on these golf courses may not necessarily have been as great when you had a public figure like Greg Norman who was you know, impressing into the homes of Australians just how healthy and vibrant Australian golf was on a global scale. How important is it that, you know, the pe- people like Minji Lee and this booming sort of flotilla of young talent that's coming through Australian golf on a global scale actually is known about? Their stories are known broadly in the Australian community so that when you do hear that maybe a golf course might be coming under threat, there's a bit of pushback saying, hang on, we need to keep these things thriving and alive because look what's happening when we send our golfers around the world. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question. One of the biggest things we have to do as an industry, we've got Minji at number two in the world. Um, we've got to use her profile to to message and and talk to the government or talk to these local councils as they make these decision and decisions. And I still think you know that. That next generation of golfers, um, you know, in, on the men's side, you know, we've got our, our four, um, you know, in, in Jason and, and Adam and, and Leash and Cam Smith, but we've got to get their presence more into household names in Australia, but also the other generation coming through because for years and years we had the presence of, of uh, Greg Norman and, and Grady and Baker Finch and, and, and all the guys, you know, Roger Davis, all the guys that were home on a regular basis so that they were home up to 10 weeks a year and, and because we're so limited with the access to our, our world superstars now, our top 10, top 100 players, we've got to somehow get access through their management. It's hard to get direct through to the players but to make sure they're good advocates for our sport and looking after our, our golf courses and growing our game in the country. Jason and Minji are doing a great job from the junior side but you can see now we're we're moving into facility, um, trying to preserve our facilities and, and look at um, enhancing our facilities. Mm. So we may have to look at a, a process or a strategy to, to engage them more so there. Well, speaking of good facilities, you're at Karen up today in Perth, uh, which is absolutely one of my favourite tracks anywhere. Uh, as as in your role as the head of the PGA Tour of Australasia, Gav, uh, what's happening with the... ISPS hand us Perth Super 6 because I've, I've been hearing a few different things about it that it might move. Uh, can you give us an update on that? Are you, are you working on that as we speak yeah. or, or uh, you know, yeah, is, the, it, is it going to go on in Perth or will it move somewhere else or will it, is it not going to happen at all? What, the, what's the actual situation there? No, post, um, you know, normal process um, with any of our, our tour events that are, that are sanctioned fully by us and, and you know, with the, ISPS and the World Super Six. It's a it's a joint venture with the European Tour. Um, our government partner, Tourism WA. You know we've commenced discussions um, post event report. Um, our term under the current agreement has now expired. So you know good discussions will will take place and have already commenced. And um, just to see where the tournament um, will finish um, for 2020. And beyond, um, and and you know, more or less, what the government want. You know, one of the biggest things when running golf tournaments in Australia, um, we're heavily funded by tourism. 
in every state. We're very thankful and respectful, but you know the tourism departments in every state um, want a return on their investment. They want to set KPIs, and it's got to be you know for tourism, for destinational marketing. So those discussions have commenced, and um, you know we'll keep the industry updated as we as we progress over over the next few months. To in terms of where you sit right now, Gavin, the sort of return on investment that that tournament has brought to you know mm. tourism WA. What what are the the figures that you've had access to? Are they are they are they positive? Yeah, every, every year we've grown the event. Um, you know, some of the the key measures are you know the hours of viewership in, in key markets um, through the broadcast. That's very important. They call it QI value. Um, you know, visitation to the state is, is another key measurement. And it's just, um, you know, getting um, Perth recognised as a, as a golf destination, as a tourism destination. Um, and that's, you know, we've fulfilled a lot of the requirements that were in place. You know, it's, it was, it's always been challenging for February to, to meet, you know, getting the top 10, top 20 players in the world because, you know, through the three years of the agreement, um, the tours have changed as far as the PGA Tour changed their fall season around a little bit. Um, the same with the European Tour moving into Saudi. But, you know, the biggest thing we want to do is um, from a co-sanctioning with the European Tour event, we, we'd like two events, you know, the Big Open and uh, and a World Super 6 Perth to, to go back-to-back because that'll bring the players down for a two-week period. And, um, and the same on the... November, December period of the year is to get tournaments going back to back. We're lucky we've got the Emirates Australian Open in place um, and the PGA Championship, but it's just, you know, for players to come down and and, uh, international players to come down, we get great support from our Aussie players returning home, but for our international players to come down and and want to play, uh, we're trying to get two weeks in a row. And I think from Perth's point of view, that's, that's what we're working on really hard. Well, good luck with that yeah, because it's a, it's a terrific event. Uh, really love the different format. Uh, just before we let you go, uh, Andy's sort of been taking a bit of a counselling and uh, he's been a bit disappointed that he didn't make the top 18 in the Golf Digest uh, most influential people oh, yes. in Australian golf. Oh, yeah. But I have to congratulate you because you come in at number 11. Well done, Gavin. Lucky, lucky eleven, and uh, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised when I, I got the phone call from someone who picked up the, the magazine that I'm a, I am a regular reader of Golf Digest, but but uh, to to be number eleven, um, you know, I'm representing a great organisation, and and that means the uh, the PGA is getting recognised as number eleven. So hopefully, uh, as part of the industry, we can just keep growing. What the PGA does, um, you know, working with all the other peak golfing bodies to to make our game stronger. So um, it's a pretty easy job um, to uh, for me to 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 represent the PGA and the membership, and and just uh, just quite um, feel quite proud that uh, that the PGA did get recognised, even if it was through a, a rookie CEO. So. No, make sure you – one of the great privileges – not that I know this, but I've been told about it. Blakey tells me all the time that when you have um, influence uh, in the palm of your hand, Gavin, it's the most fun when you exercise that influence. So make sure you do that. And if it means 
sort of barring people like Martin Blake from access to PGA Tour events that you have some control over, uh, may you do such <laughs> things. So um, appreciate you joining us. Well done on number 11. May it be in the top, inside the top 10 next year. And um, hey, good luck over there in Perth and um, good luck with the pitching campaign. It's a, a really important, um, obviously a really important vo- collective voice that, um, that you lot have and, and a voice that Australian golf needs. So good luck with the continued work going on there. Appreciate you joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Martin, and, and thanks for the opportunity. Good on you, Gavin Kirkman, who is part of the AGIC, um, who are working towards those improvement programs for Australian golf facilities, which are obviously really important, and also the PGA um, CEO of the CEO of PGA of, of Australia. Where did you slide in, by the way, in that top eight? What, what, I'm, I'm single clearly, figure alongside your name. I'm no clearly, doubt. on the unlucky omissions. <laughs> right. What number did Hazy slide? And into? Hazy's not in there either. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> What's going on inside the ropes? Is anybody listening to this show? Uh, We're going to break out of the way. We're going to catch up with uh, Reg Ballard. What a story this is. And we'll go around the globe and uh, catch up with all the Australians' performances uh, during the week. Don't go anywhere. This is Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for My Golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to the show. It is episode 101 of uh, Inside the Ropes. Um, great to have had Hazy and Gavin Kirkman on the show alongside myself and Martin Blake. Now, Blakey, you did promise us Reg Ballard. Yeah. Uh, he, of 100 years of age, who's still a member of... He's probably out playing. He's probably asleep. He's having a kip after 100 years. We've tried to ring him. And we will get him on because I promise you he's a great story, but yeah. he's not answering his phone at the moment. So. Well, Tibbany, if he still plays, you know, what, he's, what did you say? He played 200 rounds of golf a year. 200, yeah. Well, he could have got to the phone. I mean, it's, he might have been at the other end of the house, but if he's still able to walk around Rosanna Golf Club, he's, he should have been able to get to the phone by the time he it rang out. It might be down the pub. <laughs> he might be out the back. He's, the photo, if you haven't seen, if, if you've got your copy Golf of, Victoria um, Magazine. Yeah, Golf Vic Mag. Go to pages 32 and 33. There's a great feature that Brian Meldrum's done on um, Reg, who's got an unbelievable story, and hopefully we'll get he him to Brook. tell the story. But. I particularly just – I love the mops. I love the mops he's got hanging up. You know, yeah. those mops would be well-worn. He's got a shot of him in his backyard. Such is those – they waste nothing. They don't throw anything out. He's got a couple of well-worn mops standing up the right way, drying yeah. in the backyard in the beautiful Rosanna sunshine. So, outstanding photo, that. So we'll get Reggie on at some stage, and, uh, and we'll look forward to having him tell the story. Um, around the world, we touched on the Lees uh, and Tigers Medal of Honour a Medal of Freedom that he received from Donald Trump a bit earlier on in the show. Can I kick it off with Matt Griffin again? Up in Japan, the Crowns, he's um, finished tie third, seven under the card. Uh, highlighted by a spectacular 62 in the second round up there. Uh, he's going very, very nicely up there on this incredibly you know, competitive tour, Matt Griffin. And um, more power to him. He's a, he's a, a really he's a good professional golfer. Um, Got a broader view of the world. He deserves every bit of success that comes his way. And um, I'm enjoying watching him carve out a niche for himself up there in Japan. Yeah, I love the way he's done it. 
uh, in the sense that he hasn't tried to chase America. He says, mm-hmm. okay, let's just pick this tour and go and do that. And, you know, I bet you down the track, if he, if he gets the point where he can win a few times over there, then maybe he'll look at, look at something else. But there's nothing wrong with the Japanese tour. That's good money, uh, good quality. Anthony Quayle actually finished tied fifth in that as well, a young player. So, and Wan Jun Lee finished tied fifteenth. He's, we should get Wan Jun Lee on here one day. Yeah, Andy. I, co- I covered him at the British Open, I reckon, ten years ago, and he, he stopped playing golf, I believe. For That's a right. Was there a re- do you know the reason for that? Oh, he just got you know he got Jaded. down and out yeah, about right it. Yep. He stopped yep. playing, and then he's come back. So yeah, that that was. But that's a really good result for for Matty Griffin and Anthony Quayle. Uh, you know, in the Wells Fargo uh, tournament on the US PGA Tour, Jason Day was our best. He shot 69 in the last round to finish tied 24th. So he's playing quite nicely, albeit that, uh, you know, continuing sort of management of his back, yeah. and it, it is a bit of a concern. Um, a long way from the winner, who's an interesting story, Max I Homer? Yeah, who's clearly... Great um, story. He's... The backstory and his journey to where he's got this particular week is, you know, is like every story is worth being told. But it's just a reminder that how competitive this game is at the top level. You, when if you're lining up, you know, the Wells, the field for the Wells Fargo this week, you could have picked seventy players before you got to Max Homer. I reckon. Well, I think he's had sixty-eight previous starts on the main tour. Mm. Finished top ten three times. Mm. So he's a zillion to one. It's a massive struggle. So he gets in, he gets a start, um, and gets a result, and played beautiful golf. Like there, and there was some good golf being played around him by some high quality players. He wasn't beating a field of chumps. He had some good players on his tail. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. He played the last round with McElroy. Is he, that? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, look, he, he, you know, there's an amazing story from him last year where I think he he had to make four birdies in a row to make a cut mm. in a Web.com event. He made those birdies, made the cut, gets some money, goes into the web.com finals. If he hadn't have done that, he would have missed the web finals, which meant that he wouldn't have be, even be out there playing on the main tour now. So uh, that was terrific and finished off with a lovely birdie at the last. I enjoyed that. Good part, beautiful part. So it, it's mm. just a reminder that you know, there's so many players out there in this world who any given day, any given week can have their moment and – um, well, it's that type of game, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Here's one for you. Rory McIlroy turned 30 during that tournament. Happy birthday to him. The crowd, uh, you know, sang him happy birthday and stuff like that. There were two big things happened to him. He turned 30 and he shot 73 in the last round. We've mm. seen that a bit, Too many we? times. Yep, yep. Too uh, many times. And it feels like, you know, he's obviously in He's obviously in good form. He's playing good golf. He I looks mean, good. He's, he does. He's, in, he's driving the ball. Some of the... Some of the um, shot tracer mm. lines that he was taking, it's, awesome, that's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's a, it's almost next. He is almost, almost in a um, a league of his own. Such is the effortless. I mean, he swings his out of his, out of his shoes off but the scale. He's just ridiculous how beautifully he hits the ball, and but he's just still got this thing that's been dogging him in the last little while about just finishing things off the way that a player of his ability you would think would. I wonder if he wins the uh, PGA at Bethpage Black in a fortnight. I wonder whether it'll kind of open some sort of floodgate mm. situation because four majors at 30, uh, which is pretty impressive to say the least, but none since 2014. No. At the end of that fourth one in 2014, you would have said he'd have eight by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, we, we're keeping an eye on the Latino PGA Tour, which has been overlooked by us 
to a large degree for the last couple of years because we've got a couple of young blokes who are actually going okay there. We've spoken to Ryan Ruffles about where he's at at the moment. Uh, he was up and down a bit uh, this week. But Harrison Endicott's the other name that a win's not far away for this bloke. You, you don't assume anything, but... Um, Ty fifth, yeah, yeah, and nine under, and he's he's in the mix more often than not. And you know, Ruffles is the one that you know we we tend to focus on because he you know he has had a couple of had the win and had the second place as well. But Endicott's going really nicely in that tour, and uh, a win is not too far away from him. I don't think down there. So we'll, we'll Abs- keep we'll absolutely. Keep him. And Ryan's fifth on the order of merit, which uh, you know that that obviously has implications to get. He's trying to get himself on the web for next year. Uh, I don't know. I've just got I've got one little gripe. Uh, this generally Hazy's domain, and I'll, so I'll finish it with that, and I'll get you to buy in. Have rant any, of the week. Is this rant? It's not really a rant. Well, it's more. It's it's a minor rant. So, and it, it does feature Greg Norman. So, uh, have you cleared the decks in terms of results? Is there anything else you want to mention before we That's get to? That's enough. That's enough. So the shark. Do you follow the shark on um, on uh, Instagram? Insta? Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I, I do, and I, sometimes I, I regret. Ba- I, I barred him. <laughs> Sometimes I regret that I do. You get to see a bit too much of Greg Norman uh, yes. physically uh, than you might otherwise want. And, I, hey, listen, if you're proud and you've got it, then flaunt it and good luck to him. He's in ripping Nick. And as we said before on this program, if, if you know you or I look like that, we'd I'd probably be walking around the streets nude you know, for the most of the time because he, he looks pretty good. But it, it, well, I think it, you once told us you played footy nude or something, didn't I you? Did. Can I just remind you of that? I did not. I played a game of golf. One round, golf, golf, one round down right. at Cows. It was a very hot day and I was playing with a stupid mate of mine yeah. uh, who made me do it. But anyway, that's by the by. <laughs> this week, this week, Greg Norman has taken us um, from one end of the spectrum to the other. He was in Alaska recently, Blakey, and he's taken a photo of himself uh, in front of some old growth Alaskan forest. I don't know what tree it was. Some Alaskan red gum or something. 400 year old, magnificent piece of timber. And there he is taking a photo of himself in front of this tree. I think they call them selfies. Taking a selfie in front of the tree saying, we have to do everything we can as a humanity to protect these trees. You know, the world needs to come together. We as human beings uh, need to look after these trees because they're majestic. Tick. Couldn't agree with you more, Shark. Two days later... He's standing in the Saudi desert talking about how overwhelmed he is and excited he is to be part of Saudi Arabia's bold and audacious expansion into the world of golf, flying the flag for Saudi Arabia and its you know, attempts to forge its path in the emerging world of golf. I didn't see that. Yeah. So, uh, look, I don't know where the shark puts you know, two and two together and comes up with five every now and again, but... It just didn't quite sit right. No. Flying the flag for trees, but no problems taking the money out of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. While they have some, let's be honest, some human rights issues over some, there that, that, a lot. that perhaps the world needs to, you know, maybe not necessarily endorse by, um, by tagging them into Instagram posts and saying how excited I am to be part of their growing um, world golfing footprint. Am I out of line to it, raise that it, as an issue it, for it, Greg? It's very fair, and uh, he never ceased to disappoint <laughs> with his his, his uh, social media stuff. Speaking, speaking of social media, are you aware of this sort of Brandel Chambly, Brooks Kepka little thing that's been going no, on? No, I'm it's excited, been, though. I've missed it. What's it, going on? It's been going for a while. Uh, I think that uh, at a tournament, you know, it might have been, I'm trying to think, it might have been at the Masters. Mm-hmm. 
Chambly, uh, who obviously has a lot to say. Uh, I, I actually quite like Brandel uh, Chambly's stuff everything because he says he's, is stupid. You know, no. disagree with a lot of what he yep. says. But to me, you know, I like the way that he says it. I know that Hazy takes exception to nearly everything he says. Very, but... f- very fond of putting out selfies of he and his wife. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so at I think it was at the Masters he said that Brooks Kepka had fallen guilty to vanity because he was losing too much weight. Um, <laughs> and Kepka was sort of a bit amused by this, but uh, he then, Chambly was then asked the other day on one of the, might have been on the Golf Channel somewhere, uh, who are the players that can challenge Tiger if Tiger's going to be as good as what he was at the Masters? Who are the players? And he named two. He said Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson are the two that can really challenge him. Uh, and he explained that in a sort of a technical way as well. He didn't include Kepka, who's won a string of majors. Yeah, and, yep. Uh, so Kepka, one of his mates got hold of a, uh, you know, a bit of photoshopping photo, a photo, <laughs> they photoshopped it and they put a, a clown's nose on Brandel's <laughs> Chambly and they posted it on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. So that's kind of just bubbling along. I, I don't mind his style. He uh, Brooks uh, Kepka. Uh, you know, that's good. That's enga- he's engaged, which is what we want from Brooks Kepka a bit more often, whether he's liked or, uh, uh, quote tweeted his mates doing that, whether they've done that with his, with or without his endorsement. I don't care. I, I, there should be more of this. Golf can do with a bit more of this sort of stuff, I reckon, absolutely, every now and again. Absolutely. A little bit of personality. Well, Won't you, go astray. Maybe you and I should have a a social media online spat at some stage. Just make one up. We'll just make one up. We need to get you. We need to get your influence uh, understood. So come next year, we've got you inside the top the top twenty of the games <laughs> yes. most influential with a bullet. Uh, can you make sure that next week, uh, if there is to be next week of this show, has he be back? Yeah, but can you make sure that you've got Reg um, woken up and ready to take our call? If that's all right. I'll take I was looking that on board. To catching up with Reg Ballard. So. I will. I'll take that on board, Andy. Uh, that was the only miss for the, uh, for the week. Good to see you, Blakey. Okay, mate. Uh, thanks for tuning Thank in, you. folks. Uh, this has been Inside the Ropes. Thanks to uh, Hazy. Thanks to Gav Kirkman. Thanks to Martin Blake. And thanks to you guys for tuning in and having a listen back next week to do it all again.